Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Joshua. Good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the Bible Explained podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in on this lovely Wednesday morning to share a cup of coffee with me and also to read some scripture passages with me. So I love hearing from you guys, obviously. I put my email address in every single episode that I have because I like hearing from you all. And so here's the question I want to hear. Do you prefer reading out of the Old Testament or the New Testament? And also, do you prefer the Old Testament episodes or the New Testament episodes that I do on the podcast? I'm actually really curious to hear your answers on that one. But for those of you who are new on the podcast... I do an Old Testament episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a New Testament episode. And currently, we're actually in the book of John going through the death of Jesus right now. But today, since this is Wednesday, we're going to talk about the Old Testament. We are in Joshua chapter 9 today, and we're going to talk about this little uh, this little grift here that happens to Joshua. So grab your Bible and your cup of coffee. And also, I have something I need to tell you guys. If you need coffee, you should probably check out Seven Weeks Coffee because Seven Weeks Coffee is a pro-life organization that donates 10% of all of their earnings to different pro-life organizations around America. And they call it Seven Weeks Coffee because at seven weeks, the baby is the size of a coffee bean. So that is what Seven Weeks Coffee does. It is a great organization from everything that I can tell. They do everything very ethically from the very beginning of the coffee growing process. They get all of their coffee fair trade. It's excellent coffee. And so I have my link for Seven Weeks listed in the description. So if you're looking for good whole bean coffee that won't spend your money on garbage initiatives that you don't agree with, check out Seven Weeks Coffee and use my link below because 10% will also go to P40 Ministries as well. So anyway, check out that coffee. But let's go ahead and read Joshua chapter 9 while you grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning. And uh, let's read verses one all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 27. And this is the great grift that happens to Joshua. When all the kings who were beyond the Jordan, in the hill country and in the lowland, and on all the shore of the great sea in front of Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard of it. They gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they also resorted to a ruse, and they went and made as if they had been ambassadors, and took old sacks on their donkeys and old torn-up and bound-up wineskins, and old and patched sandals on their feet and wore old garments. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. They went to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, What if you live among us? How could we make a covenant with you? They said to Joshua, We are your servants. Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? 
They said to him, Your servants have come from a very far country because of the name of Yahweh your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who are beyond the Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon and to Og the king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take supplies in your hand for the journey and go to meet them. Tell them, We are your servants. Now make a covenant with us. This is our bread. We took hot for our supplies out of our houses on the day we went out to go to you. But now behold, it is dry and has become moldy. These wineskins which were filled were new, and behold, they are torn. These, our garments and our sandals, have become old because of the very long journey." The men sampled their provisions and didn't ask counsel from Yahweh's mouth. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. The princes of the congregation swore to them. At the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors and that they lived among them. The children of Israel traveled and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Chephira, Beeroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. The children of Israel didn't strike them because the princes of the congregation had sworn to them by Yahweh, the God of Israel. All the congregation murmured against the princes. But all the princes said to the congregation, We have sworn to them by Yahweh, the God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. We will do this to them and let them live, lest wrath be on us because of the oath which we swore to them. The princes said to them, Let them live. So they became woodcutters and drawers of water for all the congregation, as the princes had spoken to them. Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you lived among us? Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you will never fail to be slaves, both woodcutters and drawers of water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were certainly told how Yahweh your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Now behold, we are in your hand. Do to us as it seems good and right to you to do. He did so to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they didn't kill them. That day, Joshua made them woodcutters and drawers of water for the congregation and for Yahweh's altar to this day in the place which he should choose. I don't know if you guys could tell, but I was really holding back just laughing out loud when I was reading this entire story because it was just so funny to me. It's so funny how these Gibeonites thought of this entire like grift to go to Joshua and to do. So it says that all these kings beyond the Jordan, basically everybody, all these kings decided to go out and fight against Israel. So they all made a pact with each other. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, they were all like, yep, we need to band together and fight against the Israelites. They are becoming a huge problem. We don't like them. We need to band together. However, the Gibeonites decided to do something completely different. <laughs> and so here's what they do. They resorted to a ruse is what it says in my version, the W.E.B. And they pretended to be ambassadors. Now, here's the funny thing about this. They lived like like a neighborhood away. OK, and so they pretended to be from like a very far country. And so they put on this old 
clothing that was like full of dust. They put these like terrible sandals on their feet that had been patched and full of holes. And then they put these like provisions on their donkeys. And the provisions were like moldy bread, (laughs) like dry bread and like old wine skins and like no water in the water jugs. And so uh, they so they were pretending like they had come from a very far country and had walked like hundreds and hundreds of miles to get to the Israelites to make a a uh, pact with them, basically. And so here's what it says. They went to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country now, therefore make a covenant with us. So the first thing the people think, Joshua and the Israelites think, is, okay, well, maybe you live among us. And if you live among us, we cannot make a covenant with you, which was true. God had told Israel not to make a covenant with any person in the promised land because the people of the promised land were all extremely corrupt. They all worshiped other gods. And so God was giving the promised land fully to the Israelites and God wanted the Israelites to fully take the promised land. So no covenant was allowed to be made because if Israel did make a covenant with any of the people from the promised land, eventually Israel would become, you know, intermarried with them and start worshiping their gods because Israel constantly fell into that time and time again. And unfortunately, Israel did make covenants. This wasn't the first one and did allow people to continue to live in the promised land. And so that's how Israel fell into idol worship down the line. So the first thing the Israelites and Joshua think from these two fake ambassadors is, oh, you know, you guys must be nearby. But then these two fake ambassadors are like, no, no, no. Like, look at us. We've come from a very far land, so far away that there's holes in the bottom of our sandals, so far away that this hot, fresh bread that we originally put on our donkeys is now dry and moldy and stale now. And, and they're like, you know, we we came to you from this faraway land because we heard about Yahweh and we were scared of you. Like our people are so scared of you. We came because we want to make an alliance with you so that eventually when you uh, encounter our people, you're not going to strike us dead because we are scared of you and scared of Yahweh. We've heard of everything Yahweh did in Egypt and everything Yahweh did to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which were two kings, actually, when the Israelites lived in the wilderness. The Israelites actually defeated those two kings beyond the Jordan River, like before they even went into the promised land while they were still in the wilderness. So, um, So that's what these fake ambassadors tell Joshua. And they're like, look, we have proof that we don't live nearby. We have proof that we've traveled hundreds of miles to see you. And so (laughs) in verse 14, the men sampled their provisions and didn't ask counsel from Yahweh's mouth. (laughs) I mean, it's not funny because this is exactly what people do, you know, and this is exactly something I would do. When you see something like right in front of you, it's hard to not just believe it, right? I mean, that's why Thomas doubted Jesus. You know, he didn't see Jesus. And then finally, when he was able to see Jesus risen from the dead, that's when Thomas started believing. So it's very easy to believe something 
that you see, even though it might not be the truth. So where Joshua fell short was actually similarly to where he fell short a couple chapters ago, was that he didn't seek guidance from Yahweh again. And perhaps this was Joshua's, um, I don't know, struggle was taking things to God. Perhaps that was something he just really struggled with. And this was another thing that Joshua didn't take to God. He didn't ask God about these two men. He didn't ask God what he should do. Instead, he believed the lie that these two Gibeonites told him. And he was like, yep, this is exactly what it is. So this is why prayer is so, so important, because it says in Scripture that the Spirit gives us the truth. I mean, we've been talking about that all in the New Testament, about how the Spirit is our counselor, how he gives us the truth. And so that's why prayer is so important, is because it's it's asking God to reveal wisdom to us. And of course, God would have given wisdom to Joshua and would have eventually told Joshua, like, look, these these guys are lying to you. They're from nearby. But since Joshua believed what he saw, he didn't take it to Yahweh. And this was his mistake. So this is definitely a warning, I think, to everybody reading this portion of scripture is that things are not always as they seem. Just because it looks like a duck it doesn't mean it is always a duck. <laughs> Even though the saying is, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. That's not necessarily true. And we know that from fact, people are very good at lying. I had a friend years ago who was excellent at lying. I believed every every word she said. And she had done certain things in the past to like try to get me in trouble multiple times. And like, I just kept brushing it off. I was like, oh, you know, she didn't mean to do that. She didn't mean to do that. And it turned out she did mean to do that. She didn't really care for me that much as a friend. But the interesting thing about it is that I chose to believe those lies. I chose to believe them because I wanted to think the best. I wanted to think that I had a friend. Perhaps Joshua was excited that other nations had heard about Yahweh here. And he was, you know, just ecstatic about that. And so this was the exact lie perhaps Joshua wanted to hear. And so he was deceived by it, just as I was deceived by somebody who I thought was my friend because I I desperately wanted a friend at that time. This is why it's so important to go to God with everything in our lives, because eventually God will start revealing things to us that don't seem quite right about certain situations. So that's kind of my encouragement to all of you guys is just pray. Just pray about everything. So anyway, Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. The princes of the congregation swore to them. Oh, and by the way, Israel was allowed to make covenants with people outside of the promised land. That was okay. They were allowed to do that. And so Joshua, because he didn't take this to God, thought that he was doing the right thing. So it says not only did Joshua get deceived by this, but also the princes of the congregation of Israel swore to these Gibeonites that the people of Israel would not touch them. So it says at the end of three days, after they made the covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors (laughs) and that they lived among them. So the children of Israel traveled and came to their cities on the third day. So three days later, (laughs) three days later, they arrive at the Gibeonite cities 
Their cities were Gibeon, Chephira, Beeroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. So there was four cities here of this like nation of people they just made a peace treaty with, like right in their backyard. And so it says the children of Israel didn't strike them because the princes of the congregation had sworn to them by Yahweh, the God of Israel, and all the congregation murmured against the princes. <laughs> so the Israelites were not happy about what the leadership had just done. The Israelites were very upset and they uh, murmured. They were complaining against the princes that had made this peace treaty with uh, the neighbors. But the princes said to the people and almost it almost seems like they were trying to apologize. They were like, we did this. This was a mistake, but we have to let them live, because if we break this oath that we made, that's going to be even worse. Here's what verse 20 says. We will do this to them and let them live, lest wrath be on us because of the oath which we swore to them. So the princess said to the Israelites, let them live. And so the Israelites were kind of forced to let the Gibeonites live. So they became woodcutters and drawers of water for all the congregation as the princes had spoken to them. So uh, the Israelites put them to forced labor, basically. They became woodcutters for the fire and water drawers for the congregation of Israel. So Joshua called for the two fake ambassadors in verse 22, and he speaks to them. He's like, why did you deceive us? saying, we are very far from you when you live among us. Now, therefore, you are cursed, and some of you will never fail to be slaves, both woodcutters and drawers of water for the house of my God. So he's basically like, you guys are cursed now, and we're going to make many of you slaves. And that's just how it's going to be, because you deceived us like this, and you are cursed now. So they answered Joshua, and they said, because your servants were certainly told how Yahweh your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land. We were afraid for our lives because of you. And we have done this thing. So the Gibeonites were terrified. And actually, I think I think they aren't Gibeonites. I'm sorry. I think they are Hivites, actually, not Gibeonites. Yes, they are Hivites. As confirmed in verse seven. But anyway, regardless, it says that the only reason that the Hivites or the Gibeonites did this was because they were terrified of the Israelites destroying them and believed that the Israelites did have the power to destroy them. So they came up with this, this ruse is what uh, scripture calls it, or this grift. Now, part of me does wonder, you know, God knows all things. Part of me wonders if the Hivites, because of their acknowledgement of God's power, in a way, God allowed them to live. I don't know that for sure, though, and I'm not going to say that as fact, but it is an interesting idea that possibly because the Hivites did at least recognize Yahweh, that God allowed them to live. I don't know if God would have allowed them to live had Joshua actually spoken to God on the matter. But God does know all things and he works everything out for everybody's good. And actually, yeah, the Gibeonites, after all of this, ended up becoming servants of the Lord. They became servants of the tabernacle. And actually, even the city of Gibeon became a very famous city. We're going to learn a lot more about the city of Gibeon 
as we move forward into the Old Testament. So in a way, yeah, God definitely used this for everybody's good. And so Joshua calls for them in verse 22, and he's like, why have you deceived us? Why did you did you do this? You are now cursed, and some of you will never fail to be slaves, both woodcutters and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua in verse 24, and they're like, because your servants were certainly told how Yahweh your God commanded Moses to give you all the land and to destroy everything, we were afraid for our lives because of you. And that's why we have done this thing. So now we are in your hand and do whatever you want to us. Just don't kill us. So the Gibeonites gladly went into forced labor. They agreed to it. They were like, yeah, we'll become your slaves. And that's exactly what ended up happening. They actually became temple servants. And if you think about it, that's not the worst place to be. Like the temple, serving at the temple, I can imagine was a was a very awesome job to have. And that's what the Gibeonites ended up doing. Here's what it says in verse 27. That day, Joshua made them woodcutters and drawers of water for the congregation and for Yahweh's altar to this day in the place which he should choose. So yeah, they became temple servants. The Gibeonites were able to live with the Israelites. And also there were famous Gibeonite people that served alongside kings. I think David had a Gibeonite uh, uh, commander. And they also helped rebuild the temple along with uh, Nehemiah. We'll talk about all that, obviously, when we get to the book of Nehemiah. So yeah, it's just very interesting. You can see that the people who choose to recognize God, in the end, God does end up saving them. First with Rahab, the harlot from Jericho, now with the Gibeonites, even though the Gibeonites probably didn't need to deceive if they had just turned to God, possibly that could have gone a lot better for them. But anyway, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this uh, episode of Joshua chapter nine. Now tune in tomorrow because we are literally talking about Jesus's crucifixion starting tomorrow. And that is going to be a very um, somber episode, but I do hope that you tune in. And if you like the podcast, please share it on your social media platforms or tell somebody that it exists or rate it and review it. Those are all awesome ways to help the podcast to grow. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to check out Seven Weeks Coffee, and I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of John. Happy listening, and God bless.